Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. Real Estate Coaching Radio is the nation's number one daily radio show for realtors who demand authentic, real-time coaching. Get ready for fluff-free, unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what's truly working to get you into action, helping others, and making money now in today's real estate market. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Man, am I charged up today. I really am. And it's not just the coffee, I promise you. I'm genuinely excited mm-hmm. um, about all – well, the coffee helps, right? I'm 49. Look, I'm not going to lie. The coffee helps. Got to do what you got to do. I, I'm a believer in the bean. I just am. It is what it is. I'm not, gonna, I'm not ashamed of it. I can stop ticking and nope. talking at any time, I promise you, I think. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> we had such good, powerful feedback from the series of podcasts that we just finished um, we're not going to belabor these points, but you guys have got to go back and listen to the series we just finished on the recession. I'm having so many people that are talking to us about um, being so grateful and thankful, frankly, that we are telling them things that other people aren't telling them. I had a really hilarious email from somebody. I should have saved it. I did. I just don't want to search for it now. What they were talking about, um, they, they went to a real estate event. Um, their broker kind of coerced them into going. And the whole conversation was about just the stuff that we really have so much fun making fun of. Like, you can build your business off Instagram, and you need to become an online video celebrity, oh. and you need to learn how to take pictures, or da, 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 all this. And then this podcast listener, evidently at break, went up and asked the person who was presenting about, you know, things to help them make money, things that put them in a position to help people, because this whole Instagram social media is just really at, the, at its heart, it's a bit of mental, masturbation, mental masturbation meets narcissism. That's really what it is. And so for those of you guys who are going to argue against the, you know, validity of, you know, social networking, I think it does have a space. It does. But is that ever going to replace really what good, honest-to-God, people-helping skills is all about? No, it never will. And so many of you have been lied to that into believing that you don't actually have to do what you don't want to do and you don't want to do it at the highest level. You actually believe that being successful in business is mostly doing what you're passionate about and having fun and getting people to like you and all the rest of it. Nobody's telling you the truth like what evidently a lot of you appreciated us telling you on the podcast. And so here's the thing. We do – think like you because we are like you. Julie and I did not come from money. I just we were on our HCCA call and we were talking about our first year in real estate, which was forever ago. We sold over a hundred houses in our early twenties. Julie and I bought our first house and we were still in college. But I just I was telling the story, condensed version, you know, what I just did for you guys, but I slipped in there something I'd forgotten. That Julie and I wore consignment clothes that we got from a thrift shop and yeah. it's a nice thrift shop. We wore all of our nice clothes were all thrift shop clothes. We all look we Julie and I none of them fit. We look crazy, but you know, it didn't matter. We still were able to do what we were able gotta to wear do. Something. And we gotta wear something, right? But just to put it in context, we are still those people. You know, we have been very successful in our lives and we're, we're we are absolutely blessed but we absolutely are really really hard working we have always been drilled down we julie and i are always focused on basically being of service to other people even without verbalizing it as fluidly as i can now that's always how we've acted most of you some of you operate the same way and, you know, there's so many things I wish I would have known when Julie and I got started. We've talked about these things on our podcast. We've talked about, you know, all these different topics. You guys have to go back and listen to our podcast. We do the show every single day. 
we've got get this i th- mentioned this yesterday i'm still reeling from this it's so amazing we've had almost 6.4 million uh streams and downloads since um october of 2018 so we've had 6.4 million people listen to our podcast and we have again we have podcasts that go back now years and we've done so many topics on things like uh, things that we wish we would have known, or one of the topics with the great headline was, you know, 10 things every old realtor wish they would have done differently, things like that. Go and listen to all, those, that, all that past content, guys, because it really is designed to help you. But when Julie and I are thinking about essentially what we should be disseminating as far as information, we are always thinking as if we we're trying to speak to those people that we were forever ago. Not just our, not just the age, of course, but the lack of business experience. So the business experience that we had was nothing. The lack of sales experience, because we didn't have any sales experience, and yet we were still able to, you know, sell as many houses as we did. And that was that was one individual sale at a time. We did not list a subdivision. There was no shortcut or no handout or no nepotism came our way. I assure you, we are in boots on the street. Did it the good old-fashioned way the way we teach you guys to do it um, as part of our coaching program. But what I'm trying to express to you is a vast majority of you are just like us. You guys were not born with a a silver spoon. You are not, you know, so people, we run into people like this. You do as well. People that were born on third base and act like the hit homers. People like that don't get into real estate because being successful in real estate requires real work. It requires real dedication. It requires real, you know, doing what you don't want to do when you don't want to do at the highest level. And that real estate is generally left for those of us who basically came from nothing. And if you if you start looking at it, you listen to some of the past superstar interviews we've done, and there's sometimes it comes out overtly, other times you kind of read between the lines. I don't think I've personally – I'm going to think about this. I, I don't have to think about it. I have personally never coached anybody who is a self-made millionaire – or multi-millionaire, or tens of million, you know, eight-figure millionaire. I've never coached anybody like that that had anything uh, given to them. Every single one of them earned their own success. Every single one of them earned it based in real estate. Every single one of them started out, uh, you know, at the same level or less than we did, at the same level or less than many of you do. So the moral of the story of what I'm trying to tell you is when Julie and I are speaking to you, what we're going to tell you is what we know to be the truth, not just from our own success in real estate, but also at this point for the literally the hundreds of thousands of coaching clients and the hundreds of thousands of coaching calls that we've done. If I were to tell you the number of coaching calls that Julie and I have done, and that's not including our coaches, how many they've done, just how many Julie and I have done, you honestly would think I was making it up. But let's just say it is a large number. And from, and from all those coaching calls and all of our life experience and the books we, we've written, all the things we've done, I know that when we are talking to you guys like we're talking to you, it's because nobody else will talk to you like this because they can't, because they don't have our experience to talk to you like this. It's not that they can't say the words. It's just they can't say the words with conviction. That's the reason when you go to listen to some real estate guru where he doesn't tell you the truth about what's going on in real estate, he doesn't talk to you about the things we talked to you about. Instead, he wants to talk to you about social networking. It's not because he doesn't see the validity in what we're talking about. It's because he can't talk about it, not with any authority, because he's never done it before. And that's, unfortunately, you guys need to start you know, 
being a little bit more discerning who you're going to for information so that you stop making stupid business mistakes. And when, when you're listening to somebody who's never sold real estate before or you've list, you're listening to somebody who's never sold and coached real estate before, and there are others of us like this in the real estate industry other than Julie and I. There's a handful of us out there that Julie and I commiserate with on a regular basis, right? Mm-hmm. But there, we have this small little support group. It's informal, but it, it exists. <laughs> Okay, we talk to these people, you know, no, you do not need a second glass of white uh, every night just to get over your coaching calls, those types of calls. But what I'm trying to tell you jokingly, guys, what I'm trying to tell you is, is that I appreciate from the bottom of my heart in the most sincerest way I can express the fact that you guys are appreciating what we're doing for you. And when we get the emails and we get the texts and when we get the feedback from you that we've made an even small contribution to your, to your life, it means the world to us. And I really sincerely appreciate it. I know, obviously, a vast majority of you don't do that, but if you'd like to say something nice, <laughs> you can always email us at mm-hmm. Tim at com, or you can text us. My cell phone number, which I do receive my own text, it does not go through an administrative assistant. I know some of you are shocked when I actually respond to you, but my uh, cell phone number is 512-758-0206. If you guys are new to us, if you're listening to us for the first or second or hundredth time, um, and you'd like to get to know us and you'd like to know what our system is all about, what we're doing to help the real estate industry, you know the easiest, quick and frankly, the least expensive thing you can do is request a free coaching call. Just text the word Harris, H-A-R-R-I-S, to 31996. Text the word Harris to 31996. And when you do, you're going to be entitled to a free coaching call with one of our new member coaches and also receive six or seven, I think it's seven now, of our free books. Um, And those are instantly emailed to you the second you text the word Harris, H-A-R-R-I-S, to 31996. And also a reminder that uh, our book, Harris Rules, on Amazon, on Bar- it's not self-published, guys. This is in Bar- it's at Barnes & Nobles. Uh, the book sure. on, um, it's, um, yeah, that's for sure, right? It's for sale <laughs> in all sorts of places that sell business books. We've seen it for sale in airports. We've seen it for sale in Walmart. <laughs> you know, we were in Walmart and we were in Texas Barnes buying shotgun shells, yep. and there was the book. I mean, so, guys, because the snakes at one of our properties were so big that there was no way to ethically uh, remove them other than to make them into, um, you know, what would you call it, snake chop snake suey? Snake But Yeah. But it, those of you in Texas, you understand, when you see a rattlesnake that's, you know, four to, say, eight feet long, your mind is not going to, let's, let's rehome Especially the snake. Especially when you You're have a five-year-old. <laughs> yeah, that's right. They think and snakes are cute. Yes, exactly. Thanks, very cute. Our daughter actually believes that. Him. Oh, why is he? Why is he making that rattle noise? I mean, and she saw a rattlesnake shaking its its tail. I'm not making this up. And our, she was four, and she started shaking her butt to see if she could actually make it rattle like the snake. <laughs> okay. So anyway, don't judge us because it's we boring. had to off a few snakes. Is what I'm trying to tell you. Right. But yeah, I mean, the book has has over 300 five star reviews, and you guys, um, if you've not yet purchased that book, do consider doing so. It's called Harris Rules. It's over on Amazon. So Julie has got a topic, and she's going to present this mostly herself today, that is going to be, and I'll be the comic foil if needed, who, that in this, this topic is by request. So this is proof that we actually listen yes. to what you guys say when you're requesting us to top on a particular topic. So, Miss Julie? Yes, and this is requested by a whole bunch of you with a whole bunch of different situations, but it's all the same theme, which is how to sell the impossible to sell listing. Now, this does not necessarily apply only to the luxury market, although many of you in the higher end uh, end of the spectrum are feeling it first. This can apply to any listing in any neighborhood for various reasons. So here's a secret. There is no super magic marketing plan 
idea or campaign or video that will get an overpriced, tough-to-sell listing sold. So stop asking for that. Common request. Stop looking for it and sharpen your skills instead. The object is to be the listing agent at the time it sells. Make sense? And, you know, I remember our broker used to have that saying, right? The object is to actually be the one with the listing when it actually sells. So actually, that's we have the a joke. rule you in missed the, You missed the joke. You Sorry. stepped on the punchline of the joke, Julie. It's the greatest joke ever. So the I joke is, you want, yeah, I know. You want to know the secret of being a successful listing agent. This was his joke. Oh, right. and, and, of course, Julie and I were like, yeah, sure, what's the secret? Thinking he was going to tell us marketing or <laughs> oh, you know, something like that. He goes, and he leaned in. This is what Rory did. Rory Averill and Remax <laughs> North and Worthington, Ohio, greatest broker ever. He leans in, and he goes, have the listing when it sells. And then he just turned around and walked away. I thought that was freaking hilarious because it's true. <laughs> <laughs> you know, have the wise words, though. Yes, ma'am. That's right. <laughs> Back to your yes. so, yeah. Well, so stop asking for that magical marketing thing because all you're doing then is advertising. You've got a really overpriced listing that hasn't sold in a long time. So, fix your skills instead. First, we're going to review the facts. This is your. This is basically a step by step. Now we do a lot of this kind of work in Premier Coaching, so this is a bit of the thirty thousand foot overview. But I think we can drill down on the main points. First, you're going to review the facts of the subject property. So let's say you've identified your personal, either one or your collection in some of your cases, your collection of the unsold, seemingly impossible listings. So we've identified it. What are we going to do? First step, do a new CMA, new comparative market analysis. You know the house better now because you've had feedback. You've shown it yourself. You've done open houses there. Since you've been listed, there have been new sales, new pending sales, and new active listings that you're now competing with. So pretend it's a new listing, where would you price it today? And some of you guys get stuck right on this very point because you believed so hard in your CMA that you took so much time to produce and you really believe in that price. It seems priced right. It was priced right when I took it. I really believed in it. So don't let your ego get in the way of a new CMA, a new reassessment. Pretend it's a new uh, listing appointment. So consider things like the absorption rate, the days on the market, the list to sell price ratio, what are the trends up and down for things like days on the market, the number of homes you're competing against now is probably higher than when you listed it for many of you guys. It, it could be dramatically higher. And again, this does not apply only to certain markets or only to certain price ranges. So do a new CMA. Point number two, and this is really critical, review the seller's motivation. Why are they moving? This is something that we sort of torture our, our big listing agents with when they've got huge inventory, or even if they have medium level uh, magic number of inventory. Go through the list. Why are they, why are they moving? Okay? You have to identify that. If I called you at 3 o'clock in the morning and said, let's go through your listing inventory, why is this person moving? Why is that person moving? You need to know. Are they a have to move or just a want to move? There's a big difference. We have coaching calls talking just about that in Premier, and I, and I think we allude to that, the difference between, well, it'd be nice to sell, you know, at my price versus we have to sell because I've taken a job in Atlanta and we're moving on Friday. Big difference. So where are they going when it sells or are they already moved out? Remember their motivation may have changed since you first listed the home. This is why communication is so important. How embarrassed would you be if on your next call to them you found out they've been pending with new construction for the past three months, but you just didn't know about it because you haven't been talking to them? So things like that, their motivation can change. Now, note to self, if they are buying with you and they don't have a good feel for where they're going to be moving, 
this could be the issue. Why would they give you a better price, for example, if they don't know where they're going to move to? Sellers will actually say, yeah, we, we overpriced on purpose because we didn't want to make ourselves homeless. Well, the longer it sits on the market, the more they're hurting themselves. So what's the solution to that? Take them out for a long afternoon or even a full day to actually see what their options are. They need to fall in love with what's next so they can let go of what's current. A lot of our grizzled veterans know this. They're not going to give you the right price. They're not going to be willing to move. Their motivation is off until they see what's next in their life, you know, their lifestyle, their current situation. Some of them think it doesn't exist or it's not worth moving or they can't get what they want for their price. So be careful with that. That's your fault for not showing them what the options are. So here's a secret related to that. Sometimes new construction is the answer. Make sure you know what's being built where and at which price points. Learn the builder incentives. Those are all coming back right now. This may require you to go out for a day and investigate the options. Just because maybe it's not in your MLS doesn't mean that new construction isn't around. Anything you want to add to those basic revisiting types of points for these guys with tough listings, Tom? So I'm on the phone yesterday, or what is today, Thursday. I'm on the phone, or whatever day it is, with um, Rob Johnson, who are going to have, I believe, let me check, he's on schedule for Monday. I think we're having him back on the show. Uh, yep. And he is the number one agent in Connecticut, and Greenwich, Connecticut, which is one of the most expensive markets in the world. One of the most, uh, you guys will meet him, or re-meet him. He's been on the show once before, and he and I were doing a little prep call prior to the podcast on Monday. And I wanted to talk about this very topic with him because folks uh, do not understand, even on the ultra high end, and we're talking about one of his sales this year was $53 million, to put that in perspective. Maybe the most expensive transaction in the entire country happened by one of our coaching clients. And so we're having this conversation, and I asked him about – I already knew the answer, obviously. I just wanted to hear how he expressed it. So, Rob, if you have a really high-end luxury listing that's not selling, what, you know, what, what do you do? You know, what's, how much – is it because you have not enough marketing? Tell me, you know, what, what's the situation, that kind of question, right? Because that's what you guys think. You think, well, it just needs to have more parties. You know, I've been watching that you know, million-dollar listing, and damn, they just need to have more parties. That's the reason the house hasn't sold. Hmm. It needs to go on Instagram more. That's what Again, it is. You, you guys believe all this. Some of you believe it. You actually think that's true. You think that more exposure on an overpriced listing is going to overcome the fact that it's overpriced. You are wrong. Because here's the reality of it is, and Julie touched on this. She, again, jumped on her own punchline. But when you have an overpriced listing and you're advertising it, all you're doing is advertising the fact that you can't price a house and you're just essentially letting the world know it. That's what more advertising and promotion does on an overpriced listing. You're saying we're going to expire soon. Keep an eye on us. (laughs) Coming coming soon. Coming soon to a competing real estate (laughs) agent near you is my soon-to-expire listing. And, hey, I'm going to throw another party. But so I, Rob and I were talking about this, and of course he's, as you guys will discover on Monday, he's British, elegant, absolutely eloquent, and he and I are having this conversation. And he said, in his beautiful posh voice, he said, "Well, of course, marketing has a place in real estate, and blah 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 blah." But then he said, "It does not overcome lack of price." or a condition issue. And then I said, Rob, so what if this can, what would be the situation if there was a condition issue 
And, you know, he goes, well, then obviously we have to adjust the price accordingly. You know, they don't say lower the price when you're dealing with upper ends. It's, it's never you're overpriced. It's the price is aspirational. It's never you lower the price. It's reposition that the house on the market to correctly reflect the buyer's expectations. I mean, it's the same thing, you know, just said with a little bit more, you know, fancy, finesse. fancy schnancy finesse. Yes. Um, but really, at the end of the day, guys, here's the punchline. If you have a, pri- a house it, Julie, I'm compelled to tell a story. So Julie and I are mm-hmm. speaking at a real estate event um, in front of a group of people. This was earlier this year, and there was this lady that was sitting there who was one of these ladies that sells, like, no houses per year but has, like, three listings from her social network because she lives in this particular community, that kind, type of person. And she had – all of her listings weren't selling, and they were obviously all overpriced, but she didn't want to hear it. And so she was asking us this very question about – you remember that, Julie? She was sitting right in front of me. I do. She was asking us this very question about marketing, and she was wanting us to talk about more marketing. She was wanting us to talk about the tours and the aerial drone footage, and she was wanting, well, of course, we can talk about all that crap. Guys, it's just boring, though. There's nothing to it. You hire somebody to do your drone footage, you're done. I'm not going to talk to you about what kind of camera to use or what kind of editing software. I mean, this is ridiculous things for agents to even be thinking about, or how you're going to put it on Instagram, or how you're going to do a bunch of little Instagram. Instagram photos, videos. Have you ever looked to see the people that are following you on Instagram? I mean, some of you guys are following us on Instagram. My nephew runs our Instagram account, and I look occasionally. But for the most part, I can pretty much guarantee you the people that are following us on Instagram are not going to become coaching clients. And if you look at the people that are following you on Instagram, they're probably never going to be real estate clients. So it's kind of a weird parallel universe of wasted time is how I see it. But anyway, here's the punchline. So we told her that the Mr. and Mrs. Seller, we gave her a really short script. Mr. and Mrs. Seller, in real estate, everything comes down to price, condition, and location. And if you have a property that hasn't sold, so I have three questions for you, Mr. Seller. Sorry. I have three questions for you, Mr. Seller. Do you plan, and this question's, first question is kind of silly, but Mr. Seller, do you plan on changing the location of the house? Do you plan on moving the house? Are we going to, you know, in some markets, you can actually uh, change the address of a house, like if the house fronts a really busy road but you know it's a big ass house and so the side of it goes down a really fancy uh, road there was this you know address and um, julie and i were looking at this house in old Beechwald in clintonville ohio back when we were you know in columbus and it was uh, this beautiful house and half of it was facing high street and it had a high street address and the other half was on west Beechwald. well if all of a sudden it has a west Beechwald address i mean you guys know what i'm then you're okay it's going to be worth more. And so we researched actually having to go about, how to go about getting the address changed, and some people have done that. So, and yeah, maybe in that case you could argue that you changed the location, but really you didn't. So the, back to the script. Mr. Seller, so you're not planning on moving the house or changing the location, right? I mean, obviously you can. It faces north, and you know the back of it faces south, and it is what it is, right? Right. Okay, we're all in agreement about that. So, Mr. Seller, let's talk about – uh, condition. Are you planning on remodeling the kitchen or adding a bedroom or, you know, are you planning on doing any sort of major changes to the condition? Any th- sort of really significant thing that would positively affect the market's perception of the property? No. Okay. So no major remodels or room additions or, you know, nothing like that's on the horizon. Okay. So we're not going to change the, the location. We cannot change the condition. Uh, location is staying the same. Condition is staying the same. So the only thing that leaves us, Mr. Seller, is the price. The only thing we can have a positive influence on is the price. And so, Mr. Seller, and then you guys get into the weeds and use our scripts and talk to them about how to reposition the house in the market so that it correctly reflects the market's expectations. And one of the stories that we used to tell 
and I made this up back when we sold real estate, but it was based on a true story, and then we've made it into a script, and we give it to our coaching clients, is a lot of people will not be receptive to you telling them, even in, in any sort of remotely analytical way, that their house is overpriced. Your best case scenario, incredibly done CMA, um, if you give it to somebody like me, you know, I'm probably going to look at it and then hand it to Julie and ask her to translate it, frankly, because right. I'm not going to consume the data the same way that she will. But many of you do not know how to be um, versatile with having, uh, presenting these types of topics to your sellers. So you think the CMA is going to be basically your home run, but I promise you for a minority of people, the CMA is actually going to get the job done. So you need to know who you're dealing with, and you need to have the ability to pivot when you're talking to different types of people. And oftentimes if it's a couple, one might be more analytically minded, love the CMA and the graphs and the charts, but you still have to be able to explain the information and the data. And that's what we teach you in our coaching program, right? You guys following me on all this? But one of the stories I used to tell – and this was kind of a, you know, based on a true event, right? Based on, is that what I say before some movies? Based on, you know, based anyway. Based on a true story. Right. So I tell this story that, uh, so Julie called me once when I was coming home from a listing appointment. And she said, uh, Tim, you have to go to the store and get a gallon of milk. And the nearest store to me was Costco. Okay. And if you guys have never been in Costco, hmm. everyone's been in Costco probably or Sam's Club or whatever. And there are these massive, massive warehouses and conveniently, the milk and the coolers are always in the back. I mean, between the front and the back of the store and some of these Costco's, I bet you you're walking, I'm not going to say a mile, but it might be a mile after you dodge all the carts and all the people that are just there. And it always feels like a mile. Yeah. <laughs> right. It feels like. And so here I am, just waiting to get home. Julie's saying we need some milk. You know, I have to then run into this nearest store, which is a Costco. It takes me 20 minutes to park. You know, it takes me, you know, who knows how long to get back to the cooler. At this point, I'm going, oh, my gosh, we need to buy a damn cow so I never have to do this again. So I'm, I'm looking at this cooler, this big glass cooler, and I'm seeing all these different options for milk. And, and then you guys make jokes of it, too, when you're telling us to a seller. Like, why do we need 14 different, you know, brands of the exact same thing? It doesn't really make any sense. But you have – it's always a gallon, and you'll have the gallon milk in a different size. Well, this one's in plastic. This one's in glass. This milk has uh, – it says organic. This milk says, you know, pasture-raised. This milk says uh, – all these different things. So they're all basically the same product. They're just in slightly different packaging. They all have the same utility. They're a gallon of milk, but they're all slightly different. And, and then it's like – so they all serve – they all serve – basically the same benefit. If I buy one gallon of milk over another gallon of milk and I give it to Julie, for the most part, she's going to say, thank you for my gallon of milk. And my whole mission... And then it's going to be gone in three days. <laughs> right. My whole mission... By the way, we don't drink milk, but this is... Yeah, again, this is a story. My whole mission is to get the damn gallon of milk and get out of that huge Costco as fast as possible. Yep. And I do not want to have any more time invested in, in this really mindless activity. This really, you know, you guys get, you've all been in situations similar to that. And everyone you'd be telling the story to has been in a situation similar to this, right? So what do I do? I look at the gallons of milk all lined up. And then I'm looking at what am I looking at? I'm looking at the price. I'm just looking to see where the damn things are priced. I see the expiration dates are all roughly the same, so that's not a, a consideration. Uh, the quality, I assume, is all you know, basically the same. There's little iterations in the design, all the things I mentioned before. But I'm just looking at price, baby. I'm going to grab the least expensive gallon of milk and get the hell out of Costco. That's what I'm going to do, or out of the store. 
Why did I go about making a buying decision that way? Because the gallons of milk all served basically the same utility. They all provided the same value. Yes, one was a cool glass container with a little you know, cow designed on the outside, and the other had all these sort of, you know, beautiful pictures of, you know, fairies or whatever. Everything was essentially, you know, the same, even though the packaging was slightly different. But Mr. Seller and Mrs. Seller in the same situation as I was in, wouldn't you have done the same thing and grabbed the least expensive gallon of milk? And they all say yes. And then you say, Mr. Seller, we're in that situation now with your house. And then you show them the list of homes that are for sale, that are all basically like theirs. They're all four bedrooms. They're all four and a half baths, whatever, whatever, you know, 2,500 square feet. They're all direct competitors. You can explain to them, Mr. Seller, when someone is looking at a house for sale, they are also looking at these other houses for sale. These are your direct competitors. And you can see they're all basically the same. No, this one might have a bigger backyard. This one might have a nicer family room. This one might have a nicer kitchen. But for the most part, People are buying based on essentially the same geographic location and the same overall condition. Okay, you get it what I'm getting at here, Mr. Seller? And ultimately well, what they're going to do. Hang on a second. And, ultimately and no, what they're going to do. When you went to Costco, you didn't negotiate, right? This was how it started. You didn't negotiate the price of the milk. You just wanted good milk. Ultimately what they're going to do is they're going to their, base their buying decision on price. That's what they're going to do. And Mr. Seller, that's the reason that we haven't sold yet, because we have not yet got to the point where we're the one that they're going to grab in the cooler and walk out. You make your buying decisions that way, and so do I. Now, maybe one day you're feeling a little bit more financially flush, and so you're going to buy the one that's a little bit more because you like the little cow design, or maybe your daughter was with you and she you know, badgered you into buying the glass one so she could put beads in it or whatever. I don't know. But the moral of the story is, Mr. Seller, in the price, condition, location uh, conundrum that every buyer faces, it always comes down to the same thing, which is price. And so the reason that your house hasn't sold yet, Mr. Seller, is because we're not yet the no-brainer decision for that person when they're looking through the cooler at Costco. Okay? Now, you guys, we have like 10 scripts like that when it comes to repositioning and price changing. We have a plethora of content like that. You can take the same story and you can edit it. You can add to it. You can personalize it. If the idea, if you're living in some metropolitan, you know, area where there are no Costco's or people wouldn't know a Costco if it bit them on the butt, then make up your own version of it. You know, you decide. You make this into, your, into something that you can then tell and feel comfortable with. This is the type of skill set that you're going to need in this new market. This is the type of information that you need to be consuming at a rapid, rapid rate before it's too late. Wow, that rhymed. This is the type of information that you guys need to be embracing now while you still have time to learn it versus when you're essentially face down with the seller that is going to fire you because you haven't sold the listing. Or even better, you know, the old joke is the secret to being a listing agent is having the listing when it sells. You're going to start having opportunities to pick up expires. In a changing market, guys, in a changing market is the best opportunity for any sort of mildly skilled agent to absolutely kick ass. That's when Julie and I got into the real estate business because what happens is the other realtors, they don't have the skill set, and they, they wait too long to uh, learn the skill set, and you can start picking off their expires. That's what we did. That's what you can do too. But you have to know what to say. You have to know what to do. You have to have an organized professional approach. And all this playing in real estate crap that people have been doing for the past 10 years, branding, logos, social networking, all this other stuff, guys, look. 
Those days are coming to an end. What I'm telling you is obviously true. You know it intuitively. What I'm saying to you is true. It's up to you to take action on it before it's too late. That's it. Does that make sense? I hope it does. If you guys want to talk with me directly, you can at any time at 512-758-0206. Julie has already bounced off to the um, Premier Coaching call. For those of the thousands of you in Premier Coaching, make sure you attend Julie's call live every day because then you can interact with her. And the call is taking place now. In the meantime, if you guys need me for anything, it's 512-758-0206. Have a fantastic day. We'll talk to you on the show tomorrow. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris.